I'm Maureen Milliken. And I'm Rebecca Milliken. And this is GroovyTube. The Crimes of the Brady Bunch. Yeah. And we're wrapping up Brady Season 2 today. Yes, and this is Episode 8. Yes. Yes. And we have some very interesting yes. episodes today. They're not as oh, classic as yes. last week, but there's a lot to talk about. Oh, yes. So today we're talking about episode 19, season 2, The Liberation of Marsha Brady. Marsha speaks out for women's lib on TV and right is on. challenged by her brothers to prove she is as good as they are. Huh. Season 2, episode 20, Lights Out. Cindy being afraid of the dark because she saw a magician make a woman disappear coincides with Peters being a magician for the talent show, and they use it to try to get Cindy over her fear. Because you know how good they are at getting people yes. to conquer their phobias. Yes. Season 2, episode 21, The Winner. Mm, I Bobby some... becomes a frantic competitor when he discovers he is the only Brady without a trophy. Season 2, episode 22, Double Parked. The Bradys organize a protest against plans to build a courthouse on the park site near their home, but guess what Mike has to build for his oh architectural my firm? Gosh. Episode 23, Alice's September Song. Huh. Alice's old beau comes to visit wanting to sweep her off her feet. Oh, what about Ooh, Sam? I know. Season 2, episode 24, and this is the end of season 2, Tell It Like It Is. Carol writes a story for a women's magazine about the family, and the Bradys prematurely celebrate the article's success. Ooh. So, the liberation of Marsha Brady. Is quite thing. So much to say. First of all, it opens with a live news report at the well, kids' black. school. The reporter's black guy. They, they do once in a while try to stick Ken a black Jones. person. And he's asking kids about women's liberation. Girls, specifically. Girls. And Marsha and her friends seem a little taken aback by the question. Marsha oh. comes up with her friend Judy Winters, who's a fucking dimwit. Ken Jones, the newsman, is asking girls, do you think girls are the equal of boys in every respect? So already we've got a complete misunderstanding of what women's liberation is about and i'd sneer at this except for people still think that's what it's about yeah. today i just had an argument about it the other day but what do you think of marcia's and her friend's reactions to it? well judy is an idiot her friend judy winters but marcia gets fired up they seem a little taken back by the question yeah, they do. They do. Marsha at first... But Marsha warms to the... Subject. Right, because at first she says... She says, I suppose it's so. I guess so. It's almost like she's just figuring out... Yes, ...that she, she gets put down because yeah. she's a girl. She's like, yeah, it's yeah. not fair. Right. Because he kind of leads her on. He's like, well... He does. He, do they put you down? Because I know how it feels because I'm a black guy. Yeah. So Marsha gets fired up and says, yeah, it's not fair. Women are... And that she can do anything her brothers yeah. can do she has three brothers and can do and after yes. that judy winter says if my father and brothers heard me talk like that they'd, they'd clobber, clobber me, me and marcia's all worried too because she goes i'm not Marcia's, brave i'm yes. stupid why should we get grits or comments because just like today when women stand up for themselves they realize that there's going to be repercussions oh yeah you and they're going to suffer that. for it and he says watch the news tonight you'll be on the news and they're like oh. yeah and yeah. then well that's when she's she's, she's like, oh, shit, I'm on TV. So the next scene is them back in the family room. It's time for the news. She's watching the news. 
Yes. Well, the TV's on, and she's all nervous watching it. And the news it. comes on. Yeah. And, the, and the boys come in, and she turns the TV yeah. on. Yeah, and she says the TV's the broken. Ball, right, and they want the ball game scores, yeah. which, duh, aren't until the end of the news. And you know what? I just want to add, I was in L.A. once in the late 90s, and the Red Sox were in the middle of a pennant race, and I can tell you that the Los Angeles news does, does not have fucking ball scores on it. <laughs> I'm just saying. Because it's the West Coast. She unplugs the TV because she tells them, oh, the TV set's not working. And And then Greg's like, she's right, it's not working. But then, oh, they notice it's unplugged. And he's like, duh. And you'd think after all that, the report would have been over. And they're like, look, it's you, Marsha. And she's just like, ah, ah. And then they start making fun of Marsha. Yes. But Bobby runs and gets Mom and Dad. And he gets Mike and Carol to come watch her. And she... And And Alice. And Marsha actually puts up a pretty good... Argument, she says she just wants girls to have the same chances as That's boys right. to do things. But it's funny how the guys, Mike and the boys, are acting like it's so ridiculous. Well, Carol says she agrees with her. Greg calls her a kook. Yes. And Marsha has to defend herself. And Greg challenges Marsha. And meanwhile, Mike and Carol have a kind of a semi-argument. And Mike seems a little bemused by Marsha and Carol's pushback. Yeah. Like, oh, here the silly women are sticking up for their silly rights. But I like the way when they they talk about the women's libbers, Carol refers to them as they, you know, like this cabal of women fighting for rights. And then Alice unwittingly comes into it, and she's challenged on it. And Alice starts answering in the affirmative, but Mike warns her off and basically threatens her job if she's in favor of women's equality. It's like it's this fringe concept. But Mike, like, fucking threatens Alice. Yeah, I know, I know. Like, that she could lose her but job. But it was back then. I mean, it was it was seen as a fringe thing, and people used to make fun of women's, liber- women's yeah. libbers. You don't hear that very much often anymore. But So then Mike's like, well, we got to get ready for our uh, Frontier Scout meeting, and Marsha has a... A, a brainstorm. Yeah. She's gonna. She shows up at the meeting and says, "Well, first the, the girls is, are up in their room talking about the meetings, and they've got to go to that dumb meeting." And Cindy says, "Why, Why are the meetings so dumb?" And, and Marcia says, "Because it's all boys, not girls." And I have to say, like that's the first time in two seasons I've just heard a gratuitous boy criticism. Although it's girls making the criticism, and it's kind of. Consider. I can't say I disagree. But I like their little front... Then it shows the meeting, and I like their little Frontier Scout uniforms, yes. their little shorts and bandanas. <laughs> they look so... Yeah. Including Marcia Mike and Stan. Greg is very upset. Yes. Well, no, but I just want to say about the uniforms, even Mike and Stan, his, his adult helper... Are wearing well. He, the, I called him the co-leader. The co-leader know. are wearing their little. Uniforms. And he was very confused about Marsha. So yeah, because Marsha says that girls want the same opportunities as boys, and she's accurate in that she's not saying girls are equal to boys and can I do know. the same things. And it's like uh, not that woman's lib business I know. again. And Greg is very angry. Yes. Um, but Mike and Stan go through the bylaws, the Frontier Scout bylaws, and there isn't any rule specifically barring. Yes, and they use the word afraid twice. I'm afraid there's no rule barring girls. So she's in. And yes, but she has to do the field yes, initiation. Yes, she has to do the field. And Greg's so pissed. He's She's really flipped a lid. This is the craziest thing I've ever heard. He is so, he, he is does very, not very want her. Upset, she's flipped a lid. I have to tell you, it's kind of accurate. It, it'd be, I think that's kind of how people would behave if a woman ran for president they get very 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 defensive they don't want the boys are talking in the room 
And Bobby, here's the gratuitous girl bashing that we get throughout the thing, says, How come girls do dumb things and they don't even know it's dumb? And Peter says, Because they're dumb. <laughs> and then, of course, it's she wants to be a boy, which people used to say to me when I wanted to play Little League and deliver newspapers. They still say it. And things girls weren't allowed she to do back then. She wants to be a man. She wants to be just like a man. And, and things girls weren't allowed to do back then. People would ask me, Why do you want to be a boy? And I'm like, I don't want to be a boy. I just want to be able to do the fun things boys get to do. No shit. And then Greg <laughs> has the idea that he's going to join the Sunflower Girls, which is the the counterpart. Uh, uh, they go borrow the rule book and find out that he's too old. Cause yeah, it's yeah, so like between 10, 10 to 14. Mm-hmm. And you know, and Bobby reminds, says, I'm too young. And, and then they both look at Peter. And, you and know what Peter's reminds, so clueless. It reminds me of that Gilligan's Island. Yes, <laughs> <you're not laughs> I'm not going to dress up like a girl and you can't make me. We have to watch you can't make me. Yeah. You can't make me. So Peter is the right age. So they're gonna make and him, they and ridiculously Mike, humiliate him. Well, before oh, wait, that, okay. I, in my notes, I say Mike stays out of it, but secretly pleased at the boys' trickery. That's up, Mike Sally. So Peter is gonna join. I was kind of hoping, although I knew it wouldn't happen because it would make too much sense for somebody to make the point. That it doesn't mean doing the exact same things. Like, for instance, boys wearing dresses. I know. It means, like Marcia said earlier, having the same opportunities. The boys ask Mike, and like you said, Mike is pleased at their trickery. Yes, because course. now we're going to get back at the girls and show and them also, how ridiculous Mike always they are. likes trickery. Yes, he does he like does. trickery. So, of course, another Alice-looking-silly scene. Marcia is practicing. She's, like, massaging Alice's back, which I wish somebody would do to me. She oh, she's trying to do CPR or something. On her, maybe helping her from drowning. I don't know. And Alice is kind of not into it. She's got to go cook dinner or something. And one of the girls, I don't think it's Marsha, it may be Cindy, says, Don't you want to be liberated? And I'm thinking, yeah, Alice needs it in more ways than yes, one. Yes. You know? So the boys come up. They don't think Peter's actually going to have to join the Sunflower Girls. They think once they tell Marsha, she's going to see the stupidity of her How ridiculous way. it is. But instead, she's very excited. And she says, Peter, I'm so glad you see my point. Yes. I'm going to introduce you to some of the girls and yes. blah, blah, blah. And the thing is, too, and we're so familiar with this these days, it's a false equivalency. Oh, yeah. You know, and Carol thinks the whole thing of Peter doing the Sunflower Girls is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. And the false equivalency comes and they're like, well, it's men's lib. What about men's lib? Well, men don't need to be liberated. And so Mike and Carol are in the um, study and they, they have a semi-argument, mm. but then they start making out. Yes, and, and Mike makes the point that there are things men do best and there are things that women do best. And it's obvious he's talking about fucking because then he goes over and starts making out with her and that's what women do best. Well, maybe he thinks he does it best, too. Yeah. Do it He well, says, I... you pucker up and I'm going to show you. <laughs> no, he, no, he's talking about all the manly things and they're what men do best. And uh, then he says, and there no. are things that women do best. And he goes, you pucker up and I'll show you <laughs> but what women do best. So she's there basically to be a, is what the yeah, his whatever. point is. Yeah. So back in the boys' room, Peter has a bunch of those cookies. Because he has to sell the Harry cookies. The and cookies. he's hiding them in his drawer because he doesn't want his brothers to see the ridiculous humiliation of him having to do this. The whole thing with Peter is how humiliated he yes, is to, to the whole dress thing. Dress like a girl. Dress like a girl. Selling cookies apparently is also humiliating. And, and, well, Greg and Bobby say, okay, we'll help you sell the cookies. So Yeah, and, no, well, first, Greg makes the point, because apparently he wants to humiliate 
Peter. So he's just a sick fuck. Yeah, but, well, you but, know. So Peter, you learn from the he master. makes a point to Peter that Peter has to wear the, the skirt, yes. the outfit. And, and I don't understand why Peter would have to wear that. No. It, he doesn't have to wear that to be because a Because Greg's sick. Yeah, Greg so does. Peter does. Peter's like, I'm not wearing the skirt. I wear the hat and the sash. And, the, and um, they are going door to door. And of course, it's a tough blue collar asshole. Whenever one of these kids goes up to somebody's <laughs> I know door, it is. It's like, he, what are these? What is this blue collar? The only people that live in their neighborhood are like are gruff, tough, gruff old men. guys. Yeah. yeah. And um, the man is very confused, and Greg and Bobby are laughing behind the bushes. Well, and Peter has to be humiliated by being made to act like a girl. Greg makes a say clear... the poem. Yeah, you have right. to say the stupid poem. Yes. People nowadays, they would never think to send their kids door to door, but we step. We our went door to door. Was making now, us go door to nowadays, door to sell stuff all right. the time. Now, nowadays, when girls and I'm not saying one way was right and one way is wrong. Nowadays, when girls sell Girl Scout cookies, their parents do it for them. They bring the sign up sheet to the work. The other thing they do is I, they'll set up a table outside a store, I right, or at the dump. Oh, at the dump. Yeah. But but parents bring the things to work, and their coworkers fill them yeah. out. When we were kids, the girls who did that, when I was a Girl Scout, were looked at askance. Yes. And you went and knocked on people's yes, fucking door and asked them to buy your cookies. Yeah. Yes. And did. I didn't like doing it, but not because I was afraid I'd be abducted just, or anything. It was I just uncomfortable. Didn't like talking to strangers. So the man is confused, but then he buys Peter cookies because he said he admires his nerve. Yeah. And you know what? That kind of reminded me of. I used to play golf, and this is how things. The whole female anti-female culture has not changed that much. When I used to play golf and I played with mostly men, when you hit a really weak shot or something, people would call you Alice or another girl's name. It wasn't Alice after. Yeah. Oh, Alice. Oh, Alice. And I also remember a college football coach, the coach for William and Mary, they lost some big game. And this wasn't that long ago. said, well, today we had too many Marys and not enough Williams playing. And, you know, and so there's a long-standing tradition that still exists of when you want to humiliate a man and, you know, and call him weak or ineffective, you equate him to a woman. And I know, I know. you know, I have this Peter love. Greg just felt the need to, like, like really Greg humiliate Peter. The guy, he's like, oh, I'll buy your cookies. And he laughs and laughs. And so Peter's humiliated. Right. And, and quits on the spot. He's like, fuck this. I don't care what, I don't care about the point, what your point is. I'm not doing this anymore. Right. And then we go to Marsha. Marsha has to do this initiation to be able to join. So, and I found this interesting because it just like always happens with women, this always happens. Greg decides he's going to make the initiation test as difficult, as hard right. as possible. And my thought is, how many guys, because Greg points out she has to do meet every rule 100%. How many guys who passed that test? Had None, of None of them did. And it's and classic different standards for women versus men. This episode would be awesome to show people, to show them, even nowadays, for instance, just hypothetical, a woman running for president, the standards that the would difference in standards. Yeah. So Stan goes with her, and he even He's, Stan he, is a nice guy, but a little befuddled by. But it. He comments on the difficulty of the trail markings that Greg put up. And Marsha, you know, Mike's kind of like scolding, but not. Well, and part of know. it before she goes out on the thing. One thing that bugs me is they're all hiking to the campsite, and the boys are all like, and the Marsha comes staggering up, and. She's not some, like, out-of-shape kid. So I think, like, that was a little overdone. Like, the hike to the campsite wouldn't have made her. stupid. Yeah. But, yeah, but so Mike's, like, takes Greg aside. And, frankly, what Greg did to Marsha was harassment. Oh, yeah. And to Marsha's credit, she doesn't complain. She doesn't whine. No. 
And, you, and like when she's putting up the tent, she has difficulty, and they're all standing there watching or laughing. Which, which she I thought does is not stupid. get upset. She just does it. She just does it. And which I thought was stupid because they've been camping. They oh, have I tents. Know. Those Give pop tents aren't break. hard to put up. But you know, it's hard when there's a dozen people standing there laughing at you and making fun of you and harassing you. Yeah, not being supportive but at all. Still, she persisted. And so oh. she has. She's doing the initiation thing. Greg is certain she isn't going to make it, and he's all like gleeful gleeful that she's not going to make it because it's a timed thing. Uh, she has to start a fire with rocks. But all the things she has to do, and it's like a timed thing where yes. she has to do all these things, and Greg's all gleeful that she isn't going to make it. And she gets back it, right in time, and Stan comes staggering after. And, st- and the thing I found interesting, Greg was gloating the whole time. Mike says nothing. Mike doesn't say Right. The fuck? You should be supportive. And Greg's basically sabotaged her. No, and he's being a dick. Or tried to sabotage her. But Mike looks like he's going to give it to him. He does take him aside and says he wasn't being fair after. He does. And, And Greg has to remark again what a kooky idea it was for her to do this. So he's kind of justified in his behavior and what he did to her because she had this kooky idea. And I'm like, well, that's kind of a circular argument. If it's such a kooky idea, then why does he have to sabotage her to defeat her? This um, episode is just such a great allegory for everything. Everything Everything that, as a woman, that you put up with your whole life, you have to be five times better than... And and Mike does have some grudging respect for Marsha. Oh, wow. He does have some respect for Marsha in this. And so when they get home, Jan says, and this is so sad... The, audit, the laugh track laughs, but Chan says, from now on, we'll be treated just the same I know. as guys. And I'm like, oh, Jan. Oh, Jan. And Marsha decides, ultimately, that she doesn't want to be a frontier scout, and she's not going to go to the ceremony. And it kind of totally dilutes the point, yeah. because she says, like, that stuff is nice if you're a boy. Yeah. It negates the point that they're, you and know... And Greg and Mike make sexist remarks. Oh, just like a girl, haha. she can't, you know, whatever. Well, Mike makes that line. It's a woman's prerogative to change her mind. And Greg says, I don't understand what that means or something. And and Mike's like, I don't either. Women made that up. So it's like, you know, so you have to get in that final bashing. So the silly little women had their day, and now we're just going to go back. And the whole basic misogyny of the whole thing still exists because, of course, men wrote the episode, and men directed the episode, and men produced the episode, and it was 1971. Oh, and so much has changed. episode today, I'm Well, it's funny, and I got into a very huge argument a couple days ago with a guy who's 70 or 71 about gender issues and he made the point a couple times but so much has changed and yes things have changed but you watch this episode and there are things that are really old-fashioned in it that people say in behavior they have and we've kind of laughed about but the underlying shit how women have to outperform men and still aren't respected still for do. it. That women are demeaned. They're resented for it. That women are resented and demeaned. That their ideas are put down and considered kooky. Or like just watching the Comey hearings. Kamala Harris. Yeah. She was the only one that kept interrupting, talking down to her. And it's like, fuck you. And then when a woman interrupts, God forbid a woman interrupts somebody. Oh, yeah. You get screamed at. Oh, yeah. But we didn't talk about the tag. The final humiliation that Alice 
makes Peter eat some of the cookies. And it's doesn't kind of a, tell him. And He's kind like, of a, Alice, these are the best cookies you've ever and, made. And they're the Sunshine Girl cookies. And so it's like Peter's final humiliation because I felt like, and I know this is me reading too much into it. Yeah. Peter had to be humiliated because he's not as manly as That's Craig true. and Bobby. He's, not. he's, he's sensitive, more sensitive, he's sweet, and he cares and has empathy for people. So he has to be humiliated for his ah, unmanliness. Yes, he does. So that was my take on that. Very good. Because they want to make it clear, the show needs to make it clear that you still don't want to be, make no mistake about it, if you didn't already get it from the shit Peter got put through, that you do not want to have any connection to things that girls do because it is so beneath you as a man. That's right. And we could basically do a whole episode on this show, but I just, I think we've... Yeah, I think we've... So we'll go to lighter fare. Yeah. Lights out. Lights out. Uh Uh-huh. Blast, blast. Remember that Peter Wolf song, Lights Out? Uh-huh. Yes. So this one opens up in the girls' bedroom. The girls are asleep except Cindy. She's lying there with her eyes open. She gets up and turns on the light. Then Marcia gets up and turns it off. Then Cindy turns them back on. Jan gets turns them off. And we're like, ooh, what's happening And they're there? like, Jesus Christ, we're trying to fucking sleep. <laughs> yeah. And then Mike comes in and Cindy says she won't tell him why, but she's... Scared. And and she can't tell him because she's too scared. She's too scared. You notice the more emotion they make her have, the more they force her to lisp. So she gets into bed with Mike and Carol. Hmm. Yeah. Then she does tell him why she's scared because she keeps turning the lights on. I know, because she keeps turning, <laughs> she even though she's in bed with him. And uh, my thought is, okay, so Cindy's traumatized. Yes. What will they do? Will they get her help? And will they talk to her rationally? No. And well, to say, explain first why of she's all, she's six or seven by now. I mean, I'm not saying that things don't scare you when they're that age, but I think she's a little old to have this traumatizer. But any in any case, she's traumatized because she was at so and so's birthday party. There was a magician there, and they did this disappearing. I fucking lady. hate magicians. I by know. Way. I don't. I never liked him much. Yeah. But there's a disappearing lady trick where the lady goes into the box and then he opens a thing and she's gone. That traumatized her. And for she some ran reason. out of the thing she, before the woman came back. Yes, she ran out. She never saw the woman return. So now she's afraid. She's yes. she's afraid to go. She, to sleep. So the kid is traumatized. And I understand that because yes. But she's a little old. Yes, well, we have to get beside that. But they infantilize her. Yes, that her parents do, and also part of it is their parenting strategy, which isn't when your child is traumatized to do the logical, rational thing to help them get over their trauma, but. Instead, we want to trick our child into not being traumatized yeah, anymore. Well, so some way. trickery is in order. Well, here. and so the next day, Mike is, comes home from work early for some reason. Oh, that's right. He's tired because he couldn't sleep. Yeah, he's tired because he couldn't sleep. Cause, so he gets home from work. He's always coming home from work early. I'm well, surprised yeah. Mr. Phillips doesn't. Mr. Phillips yeah. is out on his boat or playing yeah. golf. And Peter comes in and says he's going to be a magician in the, in the school talent, talent yeah. show. Like at Jeremy's birthday yeah. party. Because it was at Jeremy's birthday birthday party apparently all the kids went maybe he was a neighbor kid or something yeah and the light bulb goes on oh so maybe this will help cindy and that the more she sees of the tricks oh the yeah. less she'll be afraid so she can be peter's assistant peter's a sweet guy and instead of like some people say i don't want my fucking sister being part of my talent show no he's, he's excited he's about nice. it he's very nice so mike and he's peter, a very good big brother i have to say he is he's a sweet boy so mike and peter go to the magic 
trick store. And yes, and they have the usual store clerk comic relief. And Every the, store clerk is funny. In the, I know, they have all the, these old yeah. characters. like. So, And Mike loves the, all the tricks. Yeah, he, he does. Would. Because yeah, he would. <laughs> and the clerk gives Mike and Peter, he suggests that the showstopper should be this disappearing trick that, lady. That they trick. can build themselves. They can build it themselves. It has plants. It's a disappearing cabinet, he calls He also it. recommends the disappearing banana trick, which I thought was very interesting. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't see that. Uh, <laughs> I've played that a few times. Uh, <laughs> he wants Mike, you know, to he wants Mike to come in the back room and say it. No, he doesn't. I'm just making that part up. <laughs> but, like, okay, now tell me. Come on. First they have banana convention, and then they have the disappearing I know, banana trick. I know. You want well, Cindy is initially afraid of magic acts, so Peter shows her, he's trying to show the family his act, and Cindy's afraid. So Peter shows her, he asks her to be his assistant so he can show her how he does the trick. Right, and it was... So he's going to be Peter the Great, and Greg gives Peter a top hat. Hmm. The boys, I think the boys, the boy actors have very they good do, yeah. 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 They have the disappearing cabinet. Out in the yard. Because the they've built it. They've, they've built, built it themselves. It. And everything's going fine until Bobby. Fucking Bobby. Well, she's afraid of it. So he's trying to have Bobby demonstrate. He's like, well, let me show you. So Bobby decides to play a trick. Mm-hmm. And Jan Although gets, we don't know that initially. Well, how the hell mm-hmm. else do you think he's gone? I don't know. Jan gets, Jan gets really pissed. <laughs> she does. She gets pissed. And Mike comes home. And Jan's waiting for him and, and tells Jan has him. to go around. Because when Peter goes to bring Bobby back, he's not there. Yeah, and Cindy's traumatized. Yeah, very traumatized. Which, Bobby's a fucking idiot. Yeah. Which we knew. Yeah. And Mike is not happy no. about this. No, and it's and funny how Jan doesn't get in trouble for tattling. I just want to point that I out. Know. Bobby comes out finally, and he thinks it's all funny. Mike tells Bobby he better apologize. And Cindy decides she doesn't want to be an assistant. Which I don't blame her. And so she wants Jan to do it because she's scared again. And it's like, thanks, Bobby, for fucking re-traumatizing her. Yes, so Jan's going to be Peter's assistant. Peter puts on the show in the living room. Yes, and the family's very To demonstrate impressed. it for this. But I'm like, I'm not sure if you want Jan messing with that shit. You know, although she seems fine. She seems you never okay know when. Jan, yeah. But Cindy won't come down and watch it. And you know what's funny is the kid, they're showing the rehearsal. The kid who looks like Ernie from My Three Sons. Yeah, he looked so familiar. And I looked him up and he wasn't in no, anything. Well, and my first thought was, oh my God, it's Ernie from My Three Sons. Yeah. But then I realized, no, he was too young because yeah. My Three Sons was... I looked up the kid because he looked so familiar, but he wasn't in anything past yeah. the 60s. But So there's some poor kid with in a accordion. accordion. And now I want to say that... I and he didn't play late. it very well. Um, it's a difficult instrument to play. No, it is. I remember. I remember there were some kids... I'm not going to say their names in case any of them listen, but that used to always play the, the accordion. Yeah. Pete and my, the police chief of my mystery novel. I like the accordion, the accordion when it's played well. Well, I love like Zydeco the, music um, and polka type music. At okay. Hannah's day camp, they had a talent show and I went, I was working and she said she might be in it, but she chickened out. She didn't want to do it. What was she going to do? She was going to do a cartwheel. Oh. So I went, I could only be there for like a half. I just went on my lunch hour from work. The camp counselors are all teenagers. I think they thought, okay, having like a 90-second act for each kid would be short enough. It was way too fucking long. Those kids should have had like 30-second acts. I was like, when is this fucking act going to end? And also, did the kids really just go for 90 seconds? 
Well, I don't know how long it was. It seemed like forever for each act. I only got to watch like four before I left. Once I realized Hannah wasn't in it, I left. Oh. So they're at the rehearsal, and Pete is waiting for Jan. Is waiting for Jan. She sprained her ankle in gym class. Oh, that's right. And she, she almost called seems normal. The, she, Jan called home to tell her. She's her in the nurse's office. And Cindy was concerned, and she's like, well, Peter won't have a... It's actually a normal conversation. Yeah. I was thrilled by it. So Peter's like, oh, shit. And, like, it's his audition. Yeah, and so he's like, I and, and would do this trick, but I don't have an assistant. And... And Mike's there because he brought Peter. And so Cindy steps up. And I guess Alice can drive now because Carol was already at the school. <laughs> I thought the same thing. And somehow Cindy got there. So, and yeah. And her little outfit, her fairy outfit that they... Right, her tutu thing with her Cindy and Cindy cape. And she enjoyed doing the disappearance. And Peter was so sweet when Cindy yeah. came on. And Mike and Carol flirt at the end. Yes, well, Carol's hinting about getting a mink because, of course, that's what women want. Blech. She wants a mink to dead appear. animal to wear on. So them. that was an okay episode. It was okay. The only my issues with it were that it's just the fact that I'm so sick of them having Cindy act like she's three. It, it felt like, like give me a fucking break. I know this sounds dumb when I'm talking about the Brady Bunch, but it felt contrived. <laughs> the whole thing felt contrived, and I always like kind of go start going okay so what led to this so what led to this so what did the writers want to do did they want to have magic tricks on the show why did they have the looking for something yeah maybe they couldn't think of a good plot one of their go-to plots is someone's having an issue and they need to be tricked out they need to be so then we go into a bobby centric episode another bobby inferiority complex yes Little lost boy Bobby, who doesn't fit in with the rest. Because all his siblings have trophies but him. And before, and the start is very interesting. Because it's a non-dialogue. It's The boys are playing basketball and Cindy comes running and is all excited and is telling, and you can't hear what's going on. And she's all excited and jumping up and down. Then she runs in the house and goes to other people and she's all excited and jumping up and down. And it goes through the sequence where she does that with everybody. And it was very kind of interesting sequence of opening because <laughs> because it doesn't I'm just reading my <laughs> sorry. I'm reading my notes like it says Cindy comes in showing everyone a giant jack. Yeah yes. So then when it finally slows So when it so oh. when it finally slows down, she has a giant when you play jacks. Oh, okay, that's what it is. Okay. You know, the little metal yeah, things are yeah. jacks. She, and she won a giant one. She won a jacks tournament. And she's all excited. And everybody's excited. But who isn't excited? Bobby. But she's, I, I'm like, you really? But, but you, I guess get a, be, you get a trophy for being the best. They had a tournament. Okay. Why is that any more ridiculous know. than golf or something? It is. But, but I just want to, before we move on, I'm trying to talk about how they had this interesting opening instead of somebody speaking dialogue. Instead of this exposition, they actually had a little silent drama I going on. It was that. interesting. Yes, I thought it was, it was interesting. interesting. So Bobby goes upstairs and he looks at awards and some of them harken back to other episodes. But does it, before that, Mike jokes about the Brady trophy case. He's going to have yes, to he's going to have to expand the Brady. Case. And so little hangdog Bobby goes upstairs and there's Peter's Outstanding Citizen Award from last season. And he also has a donkey mask on Yeah, he head. puts on his little donkey <laughs> mask. And I felt like that was, it was an interesting, and I remember when it, the show was first on, thinking it was interesting, that it's almost like it's a psychological thing. Like he wants to hide or Ooh, he wants to be comfort. Was, it reminded me of uh, It looked Pinocchio like a Democratic. Donkey. Yeah. 
Well, I also wondered if it was somebody got it from some election thing because this it would have been gearing up for the towards the primaries for the 1972 election. McGovern. And but maybe oh, actually, it wasn't. It was. It wouldn't was, have been McGovern yet. But but in any case, Bobby oh, has. Oh, but you it. know what? Actually, we know that Lloyd Schwartz was very liberal. Yes, but this would have been before the primaries. I know, but I'm just saying. Right. It's also a good dramatic piece because when Bobby, his, he goes around, he has it on top of his yes. head. And it's one of those old masks that has the he elastic. Looks at, he and lingers he, and looks at everybody's. Tr- and then he goes into the girls' room and looks at theirs. Sadly. And then he's like, even the girls have trophies. Although... I think the trophies are pretty fake looking. I think so too. But, but trophies know. are fake looking too. And then yeah. he kind of pulls the mask down over his face. I never won any trophies. I have no, absolutely no trophies at all. When I played so- first played softball when I was nine and then played again the next year, I got the most improved ribbon. Oh, and I even nice. then, well, no, even then I realized if you're most improved, it, it means you it's, suck. Yeah. But Jan, ice skating. I know. Since when? And Marsha volleyball? I know. Since when? And if Marsha is that good at volleyball, uh, she should have been in good enough shape to get up the hill no on the last shit. episode. Bobby's in the closet. Yeah. So oh. Mike and Carol come into the boys' room, and Bobby's in the closet with his donkey mask. Oh, still. that's right. He's hiding, like David Booker. Oh, and God, he okay. and it and they kind of get out of him what's wrong. And Mike, in typical Mike way, says, "Well, how are you gonna win?" Well, first he says, "Everyone's won a trophy except me, even, even the, the girls." Oh, uh, yeah, that's when he says, "Even the girls." If Cindy can win one and I can't, I'm nothing. <laughs> and they kind of agree with him on that. <laughs> yeah, that is true. You are but pretty then, much of a loser. But right then here. Mike says. How are you going to win if you don't keep trying? And you just pick one thing you're good at. Yeah, pick one thing you're good at, but how are you going to win if you don't keep trying? You can't keep quitting stuff, so I guess he quits a lot of stuff. Yeah, because, like, he loses checkers to Peter, and he hits the board. He's like a spoil Although Mike says that before that happens. Uh, Yeah, yeah, I know. Uh, He tries to beat Jan and Marsha at ring toss, and he can't do that, so he gets Uh all pissed. He is very quick to quit. You know. Yeah, it's like you got to try to win, buddy. You can't just freaking get pissed because and, you try once and you don't win. And then you know there's big goings on when Greg and Marsha want to have a summit. They're concerned. Well, Jan and Marsha are very concerned when he stalks off after yes, the ring after toss. after the ring toss. Yes, Greg and Marsha, they're in the family room for a powwow with, with Mike, Mike and, Carol. and Carol. And so you know when Greg and Marsha... You know, the... Well, Greg says Bobby's being a stinker. Yeah, and and Carol's like, Greg, I don't like that word. Yes. And Greg's like, but he is. <laughs> and then Marsha agrees that he's being a stinker. Why is stinker a bad word? This is a show where they call each other dummy, and although they don't do it as much now as they did, like, Dodo. the first season. But they all agree. They don't really come to any solutions. They're just like, oh, yeah, it's too bad. And, and Bobby's still wearing the mask. Yes. Uh, he has this weird... <laughs> It's kind of sad, but it's cute. He has a dream. He wins a giant trophy. He's a baseball player. Picture, yeah. The best baseball player in the history and of the game. Yeah, and he wins game. the World Series. A speedboat. Racer. He wins a trophy. Yeah. Ski jump. Then he falls out of bed and wakes up crying. Aww. And he just wants a trophy. But he's watching one of those cartoon shows that they had back then. And remember, we his, had and he has his donkey mask on. Yeah, and remember we had there. Uncle Al I don't and Malcolm Al. when we were in Ohio. Malcolm, it's time for Malcolm and his friends him. too. I'm so, cool. so but back then there were these shows where there was a, a weird host, a, yeah, a, host. a semi-talented host who would introduce cartoons and stuff like that. And this one is cartoon the Cartoon King. King, 
And he's played by Otis from the Andy yes, Griffiths, the drunk from the Andy Griffiths show. And you know what? It's funny because I thought that he seemed really drunk. And then I realized he was Otis. So I had that in my mind, I think, watching him. He keeps telling them to tune in tomorrow. He's got something interesting something to, tell, bi- yes. big to tell them tomorrow. And the, the door rings and Alice makes Bobby answer because she's doing something. <laughs> it's this <laughs> kid selling <laughs> subscriptions. It's kind of funny. Yeah, yeah he's, the kid is kind of a... The kid's pretty well type. The kid comes by selling subscriptions and he's, he says he can win a prize. And he makes Bobby buy a magazine. And so Bobby decides he's going to be the best subscription seller. That's right. And he's doing really well, but it's because... Carol and Mike are making everybody... Buy them. buy them. Well, the kids are all doing it on their own, but Carol and Mike are making all their friends buy them. Yes. Mike was trading golf strokes. For some <laughs> I bet he was doing some stroking. Mm-hmm. Mike is going to give George two strokes. Ooh. So hmm, that's yeah. a little that's a little interesting. I know they're talking about golf, but yes. Yeah, so How do you know that? Yeah, that's true. I think there was a golf reference. And all of their friends keep buying magazines. And and Bobby's all excited. He's there with all the subscriptions, and he's going to win the prize, and he's the best ever. But then Big Mouth Cindy. Fucking Cindy, man. Fucking Cindy. Such an idiot. And you knew, and how was Bobby not going to find out this was going on? Well, how did he not figure it out? But anyway, so Cindy tells him, and Bobby confronts them. Bobby says they didn't think he could do it himself, and he throws the subscriptions at them and runs upstairs. And they're chastened. Yes, they are very chastened. In fact, Carol goes, you know, Mike, I think we might have gone too far. Yes, but then Mike rationalizes their trickery, so it is okay. So Bobby is watching TV the next day wearing the mask again. Yes, the sign of his despair. And he finds the Cartoon King is having an ice cream eating contest. And can I just say here, I hate food eating contests. I know. There's I think they're wasteful. They're and, but in any case, and not only disgusting, but just, just there's a lot of food that goes to waste in the world. There's a lot of people who don't have enough to eat and to have food eating contests. And I know it's a TV show and blah, blah, blah. And this was 1971 or whatever. But I just want to say that. Because and nowadays, whenever there's a hot dog eating contest ugh, or something, I'm like, disgusting. why is this okay? You can win a and board when I was a with kid, a golden ice cream scoop. See, I remember this episode because I thought that was the coolest trophy. You did? Yes. And I wish <laughs> that there was a contest like that so I could have one. So Bobby calls the station and the second time he gets through, he said the first six callers. And that is something that you would radio. know. Yes. That when radio had and the rotary phone, it takes so long to yeah. dial. And but, in fact, when I was in high school, we still, a lot of places did not have um, touch tone phones and our friend Gina's grandmother had a touch tone phone at her house, and that is how we twice won tickets to the Rolling Stone concert. Because you used the touch tone instead of the rotary, because the rotary had yes. to wait for it to. And she got through. And But radio stations all the time had these things like, if you're the fifth caller. Yes. And it's funny, I was driving somewhere with um, these friends of ours, Van Shikes, my friend Carolyn Van Shike, and we had the radio on because that's what everybody had yeah. in their car those days. And, and we heard our sister Liz. When you had to be the sixth caller, but we're listening, it was Liz who, our sixth caller is Liz from Oakwood, you know. And, and they're like, ah, hey, it's Liz. Exciting. Yes, it was exciting. But it was funny because I could, because Bobby's dialing and it's going, 
And he called the first time and it was busy because that's what used to happen when you... And then he tried again and he got through. And so Mike and Carol are bringing him to the contest. Yeah, all the kids are staying home watching the TV. And like the parents just have to like be shoved over to the side to watch the contest. But I thought the kids at home watching was very fakey acting. They're all like shouting at the TV and nudging each other and acting like they're watching it. But it was like acting, we're all acting. Well, you know what's weird is like a lot of those shows did have like... A small studio audience, or they'd have kids there. Yes, and like this, Uncle Al yeah. had kids in the audience. And, and that you was know, one out of Cincinnati, and they used I think. To, a lot of cities had Bozo the Clown. Like it was kind of like a they oh, had right, like different ones. guys yeah. play Bozo. Yeah, and you give them credit; they always have a mixed race they group. Had three boys and three girls, and they had a black kid, a and I think kid. there was an Asian kid and a fat kid. Who, of course, spoiler alert, Did wins. Did he win? The yes, fat, the fat kid, kid wins. Okay. Yeah. The um, parents are amused. Because, of course, the cartoon king drags it out. It turns out they can't the use spoons. spoons. They, they have to, to put, put their a... hands behind their back. Yeah. Bobby says, well, how am I supposed to eat the ice cream? And he says, with your mouth. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and so the kids have to be, like, humiliated. But the fat kid is, you know, the fat kid's going to win. Mike likes the fact that they have to put their hands behind Yeah, Mike is, Mike is into it, it. He's because in... he loves humiliation. Yeah, he does. Yeah. And kids poor are Bobby looks out. so sad, and he has, like, chocolate ice Aww, cream all It was very sad. It didn't seem like they scientifically determined that there was the same amount of ice cream in each dish and i also thought the cartoon king was a little hasty to declare the fat kid the winner maybe the kid's dish was totally empty and everybody else's wasn't but it was hard to tell (laughs) i just want to say that all the kids are sad except the fat kid but when they get home from the studio, the lights in the house are out. Yeah. And Mike, Carol, and Bobby are scared of the yeah, lights. They are. And Maybe their what? entire family has been killed, like, in, in cold blood <laughs> while they were gone. But it's a surprise party, because oh. that's what they do. They throw a party. And they have this chintzy trophy for Bobby with a piece of construction yeah. paper tape to it. <laughs> and it's for like, trying they hard. do something for trying hard? Because he's the best brother He's psyched, but frankly, that trophy would annoy me. Well, you like know, when someone says "good try," yeah, or, yeah, way to go, yeah, or like your most improved player, yeah, yeah. It's and like, did you notice? Yeah, did you notice the show didn't have a subplot? No, it didn't, did it? Yeah, well, I'm just saying. So the tag is Mike and Carol are drinking coffee. Alice has a trophy with date scraped off. She because, was a modern dance winner, and she makes because a God forbid people know joke. she's like 42 or whatever. I know. Okay, so the next one is Double Parked. And this is an interesting one. It's one of those ones that's not based around a specific kid, but is kind of everybody involved and is kind of a parent-based one. But it works out. I think it does. Yeah. And, the, and we get to see, that once again, the tyranny of Mike's boss and the fear... That, right, the fear that can be... Yeah, we all know it. ...put into you by a boss. So, but I, But I do want to say before we get into it... That I'm very impressed with Mike in this episode. Very impressed with Mike. Oh, good. Well, Peter and Greg are playing catch in the backyard, and Greg... Uh, Greg's wearing the mustard yellow plaid shirt. Greg says he has to go meet the guys at the park. And did you notice Pete's a lefty? No, I didn't. Yeah. Just saying. I'm not obsessed yeah, with him. Yeah, Pete, 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 Pete throws a really, a really bad pitch poorly, and Greg's like, good curveball, and Pete's like, yeah, that was my fastball. <laughs> Marsha and Jan show up and tell them, they overhear Greg saying he's going to the park. And they say, don't bother. The park is closing. And Greg's like, what? Yeah. I'm like, really? So he's going to go, because they're going to build a building there. We don't know yet. It's the city courthouse. Mm-hmm. And he's going to go have a man-to-man talk with Mr. Duncan. 
the, I guess, the Parks and Rec director for their yeah, city. Yeah, man to man. And then Marcia says that she and Jan are going to go have a girl to man. To, not a woman to man, but a girl to man talk well, to them And they all march off. And then we're in the kitchen with the four oldest kids. And they tell Carol. And Carol encourages a little bit of civ- civil Carol disobedience. Says, yes, we can protest. Yes, protest, I guess, isn't really civil disobedience. And I just want to have a Robert Reed moment here. Okay, Bob. Yeah, that's me. I just want to get this out of the way, and All then we right. can move on, and I won't say anymore. You know, it turns out they're building a city courthouse there, but even if they were building something else, there would have been numerous public yeah. hearings. The city would have gone out to bid. Everybody would have known this was going on, and they're coming to it way, way, way yes. after the fact. Yes. And I just want to say, yes. this whole episode is not how these things work. No, but I will say this. That people don't fucking pay attention to things, and then they start bitching when something is about to that happen, is true. and it's too late. That is true, but I thought but this family this read the newspaper. Very yes. So, Mike and Carol are discussing how much the women's club worked on the park. Yes, because Carol's going to get the women's club. <coughs> Carol's involved in the women's club. Because the women's club has done a lot of things. A women's club? It may I'm have a different to, name. Let's have a women's club. I mean, there are clubs for women, but like they have men names. Join. Isn't that sexist? Yeah. And they will organize a protest. Oh, well, Mike agrees it's worth fighting for, too. That's it's good, Mike. I just want to say, Carol is in fuego here. I mean, she is fired up. She's raring she's to go. She's pissed. Yeah. And, and she's raring to go. She she wants to... She wants I think to she needs to... She wants to... Balls. Right. She wants to channel her... You know, she's tired of just dusting no or shit. whatever she does. Being Alice's assistant. So, the boys are awake, and Mike comes in to lecture them that they have to help with the protest. If they want to keep the park, they got to help. And, and they're like, well, we have plans. Yeah, well, they, they, well, they first said that, yeah, they say they'll do anything, anything to save the park. And then Mike's like, okay, because tomorrow you need to go door to door with these petitions. And they're like, but I've got a ball game. And Mike's like, well. Mike gives them a mini lecture Mike about says, how. don't let someone else do it. It's your responsibility. And then we see Carol on the phone with her friend Gloria, she's, who she's we assume is not Jan's friend Gloria. It's like they only have a couple female oh, names yeah, or something. Gloria. She's trying to rally the troops. And she finds out that she's the vice chairman of the committee, so it's up to her to do it. Yeah. So there was one little moment in the kitchen that it didn't have anything to do with the plot, but Greg takes something out of the refrigerator. And he says to Alice, what's this? And she goes, leftovers. And he's like, leftovers of what? And she goes, I don't And she makes some joke. And it reminded me of that George Carlin is it meat or is it cake? Yeah. Remember? Cake. It's meat cake. <laughs> so Mr. Phillips. They're at, yes, they're at Mike's office in the library. <laughs> Mr. Phillips is playing darts in his office and Mike comes in. Yeah, Mr. Phillips, hard at work playing darts. And he's, of course, missing everything. And he, and he get, hands Mike a dart. And Mike is like, oh, I hardly ever play. And, of course, gets a bullseye, which Mr. Phillips doesn't Very like. bad move, Mr. Mike. Mr. Phillips is very Trump-like. Strike one, Mike. Yeah. You don't beat the boss. He should have fucking just thrown it at the goddamn all. And also, do you think... Well, Mr. Phillips makes him shoot a dart. I know. Mr. Phillips is very... Trumpish. Yes. And Mr. Phillips is excited because he says, he tells Mike, we finally got to deal with the city after all these... They broke trying to get through. In. Yeah. Trying to get in. And my guess is, instead of the normal bid process, what happened is Mr. Phillips... <laughs> Was finally bribed somebody or whatever you have oh, to yeah. do to get stuff done in that town. With some strokes. They're going to design a new courthouse in the Woodland Park area. 
and Mike, Mike is not too thrilled. Right? Mike's well, like, Mike oh, puts oh. two and two together and realizes, holy shit, that's the thing. And Mike goes home, home. tells Carol. Mr. Phillips calls. Oh, yes. And he says, oh, Carol, I'm glad, I'm glad you're so understanding or whatever he says. He assumes that she already knows, which pisses me off. And he also assumes that she's the protest is being called, that yes. she's capitulated. And the, the thing that I hate that kind of thing when the person that should be telling you something doesn't, and then you get side... Yeah. You get... What's the word I'm looking for? Ambushed. Ambushed. Yeah. And you're like, oh, yeah. uh, okay, yes. I didn't know this, yes. and now I look like an idiot. Yeah. That happens to me quite a bit. And then both people think you're an idiot because the person who didn't tell you gets pissed because you're like, it would have been nice if I had known, but he didn't think he had to tell you because he's controlling about the information he gives out. Mm. Not, oh, I'm sorry, not that it's... A personal issue. With so me. Carol calls him a park wrecker. Yes, she does. Very strong language. But then she and Mike have a heart to heart, and Mike says Mike doesn't tell her not to do it. Mike just explains, and he says, "I'm an employee." In He's other words, he has no control. And the, in the boys' room, they call Mike Benedict Arnold, and I'm like, "Do the writers know any other traitors?" Because they I guess always not. bring up Benedict Arnold I know. every single time. Well. You know, I don't know if it's used as much now. We did as kids yeah, use that know. frequently. Greg, Greg has to, up for him, though. Well, and he has to mansplain to Bobby. Yeah. And he kind of goes through the whole thing again to mansplain it to Bobby. What we've just learned about Mr. Phillips and Mike and, you know, that they're, the kids and Carol are protesting the very thing Mike's going to be building. And I'm like, don't the scriptwriters think the readers got it? Because it's like spelling the whole thing out. It's like mansplaining to us. And the girls are upset in their room. They're upset that there will be no parks and it's going to be a concrete jungle. I know. They're going to take paradise and put, put up a courthouse. Only it's going to be a courthouse. But, surprise, surprise, Mike doesn't expect them to not protest. That's right. Mike, Mike thinks he has a family on. meeting. Yep. And he says they can do. He's going to do his thing, and, and they Carol can do their thing. Carol and Greg and Marsha. He doesn't yeah. bother with. Oh, the that's other. right. It's the. He says they can still protest because they are private citizens and don't work for Mr. Phillips. That's right. And that's right, Mr. Phillips, shove it up your fatty yeah. old ass. And so good for Mike. That's you know, right. good for Mike. And so Carol goes to the city hall meeting. Because she's the chair of the committee or whatever. And, again, she doesn't understand. You're, you, no, you can't fight City Hall because they've already had the fucking public hearings. They've already had the city council vote. This is a fucking courthouse. There must be a reason they have to build a new courthouse. And this is where they're going to fucking put it. But she is fired up, even though she's dejected. Yes. They are getting ready to demonstrate. And they keep answering the phone saying, save Woodland Park. So I was sure Mr. Phillips wasn't going to call. I, w I thought mm -hmm. he was going to call while they kept but answering the phone. No. The thing is, they decided they were going to have a press conference. And I was all excited because I thought we were going to get to see their press conference. But what we see is what looks like a Memorial Day parade <laughs> for about 10 seconds. And I was very disappointed by that. With, like, American flags. Well, and Mr. Phillips is mad because he knows the Bradys are there. He and Mike points TV. out it's democracy at work and free speech. I almost expected him to start chanting, this is what democracy looks like. <laughs> and Mr. Phillips is like, well, yeah, seven of them were Bradys. But he yells in Mike's face at the He threatens at work. Mike. He threatens Mike's job. Yeah, and then he yells at him. Yeah. 
He yells in his face. An architecture firm to boards of dire- board of directors. Maybe. I don't yes, know. I don't know. He comes home, he makes a cryptic comment about ultimatums, and he goes upstairs. Peter and Cindy are standing and there. And there's the very sad. Yeah. The, the, the theme music plays very sad. And Carol's standing there. She sends them to dinner, and then Carol and Alice discuss Mike's mood in the kitchen. Yeah, Carol doesn't go up to see if he's okay or what's and wrong. And Carol can't figure out why he's upset. The phone rings, and it's Mr. Phillip, and he doesn't want to speak to Mike, but to Carol. Right, Carol assumes he wants Mike. Though he's sure Mike's told her all about it. She's clueless. You know, and he's like, oh, I'm sure you understand, you know. And so Mike's in his study. So I guess he came back downstairs and went in his study. Well, Mike's a man of action. Carol tells him she's given it up. It's not worth it. She, of course, says nothing about the phone call because that's not the right <laughs> that's way. That's how they roll. And then Greg comes in. They start making out first. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's Greg right. And then out. Greg comes in. Mike wants to keep making out. And laughs out at the PDA. And tries to shoo, shoo Greg away, but Greg doesn't care, right? And Greg kind of, it's the same thing as Carol, decides they're going to give it up. You can't fight City Greg, Hall. Greg tells him, like, the same thing Carol did, so Mike figures it out. Yeah. They're both. They tell him about the phone call, and Mike is angry and tells them to keep fighting. And then they start kissing again. Mike and Carol start kissing. Yes. And Mike tells him, you do your thing, and I'll do mine. And Mike's cool with it, which is good. He could lose his job. Yeah. Mr. Phillips was not being reasonable. No, Mr. Phillips is a fuckhead. So Alice and Bobby and Cindy are out. I'm sorry. Alice is with Bobby, Cindy, and Marsha. Right. They're going door to door. Marsha goes off. Yeah, um, Alice is like, here, 14-year-old girl, just go to some stranger's house by yourself. And... Bobby and Cindy go up to the door. Yeah, she signs them. She's going to stand back and let these two It's like trick-or-treating her running. Yeah, well, it's their deal. She's just walking them around. So the guy answers the door. Of course, another old bee. And it's Jackie Coogan. Yes, Jackie Coogan. The former child actor. He slams the door in their faces. (laughs) And he calls them radicals. And Cindy goes, what's a radical? And Bobby goes, it must be people who want parks. (laughs) You know, every time they knock on a door, it's going to be... It's an asshole guy that slams... Cindy was dressed to get a yes. She was wearing a very short look. He's not a pedophile, as we find out. Because then Alice takes over, and she plays the sex card. At least he found her attractive. Alice pours it on. And she's a pro. And she has that guy eating out of her hand. She goes, and I guess they cut the part where she gives him the blowjob, because I don't see that. Uh, she, they just call me Alice Available. <laughs> and but he wants, he, to get wants he wants some of that. She leads him on until he signs the petition, then she tells him she has a boyfriend. He's kind of befuddled. He's like, what? But that's what women have to do. You know, you use your feminine wiles. So the back in the kitchen... Alice tells Jan and Peter to go over to work on the park. Peter remembers the John Paul Jones quote. I've not yet begun to fight. I was impressed that Peter remembered that. Well, even a blind squirrel finds a knot once in a while. Well, so we're in the family room, and Alice is ministering to Carol, her feet or something. Yes, Carol's very sore because of the marching. Mike comes in, and Alice goes to get dinner. Mr. Phillips was out that day, so Mike didn't have to deal with him, so that was good. Because she's like, how was work? And he said Mr. Phillips wasn't there. The kids want Mike to go to the dump, and he says, okay. He has to change into his dump duds first. Yes, he has to fit his jeans. Because the kids have cleaned up the park, and they have all these bags of garbage to bring to the dump. 
And they'll be back in time for dinner. And Mike has an idea, though, when he gets back. Yes. And he's feverish. And then it's like a montage of him, yeah, working. Mm-hmm. We've seen him at his desk many times, but this is from above. So it shows him actual, like, drafting. And he's looking at books and looking at books and drafting, drafting, drafting. So the next morning, they're at the office. Mike tells Mr. Philip the dump site is much be- a better site. For the courthouse. Lower cost, more convenient. It's a splendid it's right idea. by the highway. And Mr. Phillips goes, yeah, because, of course, the city wouldn't have studied all the sites and determined Apparently that the site... Didn't. Yeah. So there's another wife joke. Another wife spending money joke. And we also see Mike's drawing, which is a really ugly, ugly. 1960s really era one story. Where's the dump going to go? Yeah. So Greg comes into the... the um, study. Study. And says... Well, they decided where the new dump's going to go. It's going to go at the park. And I almost had another Robert Reed moment there. Where I'm like, they can't fucking do that, blah, blah, blah. But it turns out... Greg was laughing. He He was was joking. joking. So that brings us to a very poignant episode. Alice's September song. (laughs) Well, good and bad thing here. I feel like there's an attempt to... And I've mentioned this in previous episodes. But as we go on, there's an attempt to kind of humanize Alice. But... I don't think this is too much of a spoiler alert to say by the end of this it's all negated. Well, you know. We start with Alice and Carol are bringing groceries in from the car, and Carol notices a message for Alice, and they can't figure out the name. Of course, Cindy took the message. Wait, you know, they're just leaving that kid in charge. It's Mark Millard, and Alice is bemused when she reads Mark Yes, and a little intrigued. And Carol says, is this a new boyfriend? And Alice says, no, an old one. And then she's saying she had a crush on this guy, and Carol's all excited about the idea. And Alice wonders if she'll still have a crush when she sees him. Well, and also she has to make a self-disparaging remark about being old. I know. And you know what? Although, I will say that I think that anyone I had a crush on back in high school, no offense to anyone, but if I met them now, or when I do see them again, I... I think I can say that, yes. I'm kind of like, what? Well, you know, the things you want when you're... Although Alice is younger than us, believe it or not. She is. The things you want when you're 16 or 17 aren't the same things you want once you've grown up and know what you want. Sorry. And and other stuff. Yes, I know. And so Greg and Bobby are out in the yard making the, the wings. They're in the garage. They're in the garage making the wings. We find out later a for model, model airplane. For some reason, this is a four man job, but they're out there it's, making the wings. You know, you, you wouldn't know because you're a woman. That's but making true. model airplanes. Well, is you know what? Technical. And near the end of the show, when it's all done, it looks like just one of those little fucking balls. I know, planes. I know. So Sam but, shows up. And Sam shows up, up with weird. his big hearty laugh. He's very and he has the intention. Uh, bringing Alice to the bowling tournament that night, and he hasn't called. And I'm like, hasn't he ever heard of the rules? He hasn't yeah. called. He just assumes. Hey, and, Alice. And so he's taking Alice for granted. Yes, he is. Very a little much bit. So. And he asks where Alice is. So Alice is getting all dressed up and talking to Carol, and it turns out she's going on a date with Mark Millard. Oh, okay. Right. He's in town for business. So, yeah, he's like, where's Alice? What? She's always in the garage? I know. I know. And Bobby says she's getting ready to go out. So Peter and Mike are putting a plane together. And Carol's making dinner. And Carol's making dinner because Alice is getting ready for a date, and she looks very nice. And Peter goes outside... And Carol notices, uh-oh. Sam's talking to Peter. Yeah, uh, what's Sam doing out there? And he's talking to Peter, and Peter's all, like, animated. But I'm sure he's not talking about Alice. He's probably talking about his fucking plane. 
And so Carol tries to woman-splain to Mike that he has to stall and make excuses <laughs> to Sam about how because it's going to be awkward, and Mike doesn't seem to get it, he's which is kind idiot, of dumb. Which is stupid, because he's the one that, yeah. yeah. Well, it's it shouldn't be that hard for Mike as a man to understand that Sam doesn't want to see his girl going out with another guy. Yeah. So, it's like, duh. So, she, said, she <clears throat> says she's going to go and tell Alice to stay in her room, and that Mike is distracting, because it would be awkward. Right. And she even uses that word. And Sam calls Mike Mr. Brady. You know, yeah. And I'm like, he, well, he called he's Mike. A, well, he's his customer, too, you know, kind of. I, that's kind and of that old school retailer. And he says how he's going to bring Alice to the bowling tournament because she's a great little rooter. And I noticed the previous episode, Mike referred to Carol a couple times as little this, little yeah. that. You know, so I'm and Mike, saying. Mike has a talk. I have a, with Sam. Uh, in other words, a lecture. Well, Mike backs into it. He doesn't ever really sell it. He doesn't really get to the point. Well, he, he doesn't. He doesn't close the deal. He tries to tell her not to. But Mike seems a little baffled by the fact that Sam finds Alice attractive. Well, Sam says, "I could save this for my favorite quotes, but I'll say it now." Alice is my inspiration. I see her face in every bowling ball, her figure in every pin. Yes. I thought that was kind of sweet. Yeah, but Mike seems a little befuddled by it. Uh, well. And then we get to. Alice, who's getting ready, and she doesn't really seem that concerned, but the girls are excited, and, and Jan is definitely in, uh, got a little manic thing going on. But and, of um, course, Alice jokes about not being married. Right, and Jan's on the verge of hysteria. And Jan hopes that Sam and Mark will have a fight. Marcia yes. says that it would be out of sight yes. if they had a fight. And, and right, and then Carol <laughs> shoos the girls out of the room, then Jan, in that semi hysterical kind of manic way, says, I wish I had two men fighting over me. And it's like, oh, no. Oh, God. But Alice... Well, Alice thanks Carol. Carol's like, Sam's out there. Yeah. And, yeah, you know, Alice has you. nothing to be apologetic about. Well, and to her credit, she's not when she comes out, because yeah. they think Sam is gone. Right. But he's not. But of course, he's still, fucking Mike didn't do what he was supposed well, to do. Well, it took Mike forever to kind of try to explain to, to, get, to get rid of Sam. But he's still there. Alice comes into the kitchen, and Sam tells her she looks spiffy. Yeah. And Mike is uncomfortably trying to leave. Yeah. As Alice says, Sam, we didn't have a date. Yeah. And Sam's getting upset. And Sam says, And then, of course, Sorry, Sam. Right. And not then, calling, but since she's all gussied up, like, what do you think? She's just gussied up for the fuck of it? I know. And then Sam, of course, has to pull these, like, oh, it's the milkman or the. It's not going to be the doctor or the lawyer. She tells him she has another date, and he says, It must be the milkman. Gus from the supermarket. Like, yeah, it can't be that professor from the college or, you know, someone like that. It's Yeah, Alice kind of plays a, a little tough with Sam. Alice just says it's an old friend, and then Sam's like, oh, okay. Yeah, and it's the well, second that's okay, show. Then. And it's the second show in a row where we see her, like, as a sexual, and I don't yeah. mean sexual like dirty, but as a woman, as a normal woman, a normal sexual and woman, for like the first time in the entire series. Yeah. Instead of somebody, like every show, you know, Carol gets to make out with Mike and stuff. Yeah. But here they are actually not making fun of Alice. It's a pretty good scene, I thought, with Sam. And, and he wants to go out the next night. And she's like, well, I'm not sure because my, uh, my friend's here for the week. So. And, and she goes, I told him I'd keep the week open so we could see and each other. And Sam pouts about that. Yeah, Sam does pout. But again, taking Alice for granted. I do feel like Mark comes on a little strong. Okay. 
hate that shit. So the, yeah. and they're in the living room. Alice is very anxious. The doorbell rings. And she, all the, and she panics. And Mike answers. Yeah, Mike answers. Mark hugs Alice and tells her she looks wonderful. And Mike looks skeptical from the start. Mike and Carol look unamused. And you know, kid, the kids are watching from upstairs. Well, and then the guy's fawning all over Alice, and Mike actually looks skeptical at this point. And it's like, come on, Mike. The guy likes Alice. You know, yeah. well, at least we think. He does. Then Carol's well, worried. They're in bed, and Carol's worried, and Mike says she can take care of herself, but then he admits he's worried, too. Carol hears the front door. Mike says, now we can go to sleep. She's home. And Carol's like, no, fuck that. I'm going to go out. see if she But then it. she goes and looks, and Alex is Alex dancing. Alice is dancing around. She's yes. all excited. Well, we don't think it's they sad. Upstairs. We no, don't know no, it's sad. Know. It's nice. We think it's nice. Yeah. So the next day, Carol's having talk with Alice, and, and I think like, this is very weird. So... Yeah, and she goes, this, she refers to him as this, Mr. Millard, which I hate on TV shows and in books, like when they say, like this, blah, blah. I can't even describe it, but I know it sounds, I'm not making sense, but I hate that. But then they start talking about, do you think, I think he wants to marry you, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, is it a little, I mean, they... Yeah, but they knew each other before. Yeah, I know. I thought it was, too, but then when you think they're reconnecting, and actually, nowadays, it happens all the time because of Facebook. So Alice is trying on a dress that's a little tight Yeah. for that night's date, because this is a few days later, and so, of course, there it is, the scene with Alice being physically humiliated. She's oh, out, yeah, she's doing sit-ups. She's out in the yard doing sit-ups, and I'm thinking she'd be Martin much Jenner better off. Helping. She's done like seven of them. She'd be much better off since the date is that nice and she's trying to get fit into the dress to take a diuretic or something. Or get a really good girdle. Yeah. Squeeze that fat into a shape. And then she's putting on a face mask and Marsha's puzzled by the face mask. Yes. And And Alice is like, oh, maybe I'll just keep it on. Bobby and Peter... And Mike are working on the plane. Oh, yeah. Alice comes out with her makeup on, et cetera, and poses, and they look. And she has her hair. Do you notice her hair is kind of in a more of a bouffant? Yeah. Yeah. She looks nice, but. And the boys are all gaga. She does make herself look older than she needs to. Well, it was a style back then. I know it was. And so Mark and Alice are at dinner, yes. and he is coming on strong. Like, like she's like, are you going to eat? And he goes, how can I eat when I only have eyes for you? I know. And then I'm like, this, okay. And then What's he does a thing that con men, and just like Clark Rockefeller in our crime and stuff. Yes. He tells her he's trying to finish up a business deal, but he doesn't want to bore you. You don't need to hear about it. Right. It's a really good deal, though. And, I, and I even wrote in my notes, uh-oh, con man. Seems too good to be true, but Alice is interested. And he's then. The Nigerian, the yeah. Nigerian prince of he, the 70s. But the way they do it is pretty good because he is. He's like, oh, you don't need to hear about this business and deal. the writers of the show and everything know that readers now know what's going on. Because, of course, you have to know something's going on. And this is before he talks about the investment because he's fawning all over her. And really, how is anyone going to find Alice I that know, attractive? I know. You know, it's like, because it's not that they're suddenly going to stop making fun of Alice and her looks. It's like... Obviously, if somebody finds Alice that attractive, there's, there's something else going, going on. on. So the next day, they're in the kitchen, and Alice tells Carol she's off to the bank. She's going to make an investment. Yeah, although she didn't vet it very well. No, Carol has a lot of questions, and Alice can't answer. And, well, Alice doesn't want to rock the boat. Well, and yeah. Alice tells Carol that she felt like Mark was about to propose... And so she didn't ask a lot of questions about the investment because she didn't want to rock the boat. And Carol said, well, did he propose? And Alice was like, no, he didn't. Carol is very concerned about this investment. 
because Alice didn't know anything, and so of course she has to call Mike. Of to course see she what does, he and express her concerns and to Mike. So, so he can take questions. questions. So Mike's gonna make some calls. He does whatever the seventies version yeah. of Googling is. He yeah, calls you, his uh, you make some calls. friend. You know, if I had to make some calls, I have no idea who I would call. No. Well, Mike has a friend in the DA's office. Oh yeah. And he has to explain that he's using the guy's using an unsuspecting woman because you know women are not smart. About so this. they show them in the living room. Mike and Carol are talking to Alice, and she feels foolish. And the doorbell time. rings, and Mike figures. And I have to say though, I know we always say it. Anna's good actress. Yes, she is. She she has a lot of depth to her. She does. She's good. She, she especially on this show because there are a lot of different emotions mm-hmm. and it's all very um, genuine. Uh, and the doorbell rings and Mike thinks it's the DA, so he goes to answer. Oh yes, and Mark's a con man, a gambler. He married six times. Yes. And the DA's gonna come by. So when the doorbell rings, Mike thinks it's the DA, but it's Mark. And, and I feel Mike feels he's up. met his man. Like. Like, Mike understands the con man because Mike is so good at trickery. But Mike doesn't go for the trickery on this. He goes... Well, Mike and Carol are very cold to him, too. Yeah, so Mike has He's to step in. kissing up, and they're just like... Yeah, we, we got yeah. your number, bud. Yeah, and it's funny. It's almost like Alice is this child who can't stick up oh, herself well, because Mike's the one. She's their, she's their employee. Yes. So. so Mike has to step in and tell the guy what's what. Yeah, M- Mr. Millard, my TA is coming by. And so Mark runs. And Sam unwittingly saves the day because Mark runs right into the frozen, the frozen lamb shank. Frozen leg of lamb Sam that has. Sam has. And Alice takes it all pretty well. And he passes out. The DA... And just not to Who have a, shown up. Not to have a Robert Reed moment here, but if somebody's knocked unconscious, people should be a lot more concerned than they are. This guy's lying unconscious. But people on TV were always being knocked I know, and Alice takes the flower pot and starts pouring <laughs> water on the guy. So uh, the DA and Mike and Carol come back as Alice pours water from the watering can on his face. And so the end of that, the tag is... Alice Mike, and Sam are going on a picnic. Mike and Carol are making them sandwiches. Mike is packing the sandwiches. Did you notice that oh, in the picnic basket? That's nice. Yeah. And because they're, they're going to go on a picnic, and Alice is actually wearing a little checkered yeah, camp she shirt. Looks cute. And she looks good, yeah. They're trying to play with their plane, the three boys, and the yard is too small. I guess they don't want to go to that fucking park they spent all that. <laughs> I know, really. And so Sam invites the boys and the girls to go on a picnic with them. Yeah. And Alice laments it's not very romantic, but Mike says it is for me, and he grabs Carol yeah, and starts they're making out with her. And the thing is, too, it shows that Sam is a good, genuine guy. And either that or he's like a He loves Alice's kids. Which um, there's a later episode that. Where where Sam is a perv? I'm looking forward to that. We'll talk about it. But on one hand. Not really. I thought this was a good episode in that it got to showcase Ann B. Davis's talent. Yes. For acting. Although it's kind of odd for a show. I know it was supposed to be a family show, but it ended up being syndicated for kids. And even though I would have watched it when I was a kid. It's funny because it's not a plot line that kids would necessarily, you know. The kids are not a big part of it. But, But, you know, when you're a kid, you watch it. It's kind of a simplistic storyline that a kid can understand. Well, it's not simplistic, but it's simple. Well, yeah. Okay. It's a simple storyline. Simplistic means... Oh, sorry. (laughs) But what I was going to say is that the problem I have with it is you think, oh, they're really humanizing Alice. They're making her no longer the joke, blah, blah, blah. But, of course, she can't have a guy find her attractive on her own merits except for a goofball like Sam. Yes. No offense. He's a good guy and everything. 
But obviously, if somebody finds Alice that attractive, who on paper is a better catch than Sam, it has to be a con. Yes. And which is kind of sad. Yes. Is that what I'm saying? I agree with you on that. But okay. So that brings us to the final episode and of the final today. episode of the season, second season. Yes, and as a writer, I found this episode very intriguing on many levels. It's Tell It Like It Is, episode 24. And last of season two. So Mike is looking for Carol. Yes. Well, he wakes up in bed and she's not there. She's not there, and he's probably... And he's got a woody, and he needs <laughs> to do something about it. So he goes looking for her, which and is kind of weird. weird. It's weird because he looks in the boys' room. I know. He's, like, looking around. I like know. He's, like, if she were in the boys' room, it would be because one of the kids was up for some reason, and she'd be right there. I know. I like, thought that was weird, And then he too. goes and looks in the girls' room. I know. I did the same thing I put in kids' rooms. Yes. Why? His blue velour robe matches his favorite shirt. I know. I noticed that. that. Yeah. But so he starts walking down the stairs and he sees the door Someone's of his study, his study. is ajar. How and can the anyone be? And then he goes in and Carol's in there writing and he tells her he looked all over the house for her. And I'm like, you don't look all over the house. You looked in the Why the fuck would he? And why didn't he look what in, the bathroom? in the bathroom? That's That would have been the first place I would have looked. But of course they do have an, a bathroom right off their bedroom so he would have seen if she yeah, was in there so. but carol's writing something and she's being very secretive he, about it and he's confused because usually he signs off on everything the family Apparently. does so for someone to be doing something and she won't tell him i know and he's very confused by that because she usually refuses. he needs to give his approval and he's in the kitchen and he couldn't get back to sleep he's very tired and he tells alice that carol was writing something and alex says she saw Carol writing something a couple nights before, and, and they wonder, what yes, could wonder she be what writing? It is. What could she be writing? So the three girls come in, and they say, Carol is getting ready for an early lunch date. And she's sitting upstairs under an old-fashioned yeah, hair. Yeah, we used to have one of those. And I'm like, and blue. you know what my first reaction is? Great, because now we're going to have one of my favorite things in the world, and that's a scene where someone is trying to talk to somebody and something loud is going on so the other person can't hear and gives inappropriate answers to what but the person's doing. That's what our mother does all yeah, the time. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. The only thing I hate more than that is when somebody has laryngitis or something and can't talk. Which and has happened twice yes. already. So Mike goes up to talk to her upstairs, and she tells Mike that her date is a secret. She will not tell him anything about her date. And Mike is... She blows him off, and she's unapologetic about it, which I yes. find very interesting. She's yes. just like, no, I'm not telling you yeah. about my date. Yeah, she is. And, of course, Mike, I think Mike is afraid his marriage is about to come to an end. Good. Because Carol has never behaved this way before. He doesn't say that, but you can see it in his eyes. So Carol's at lunch with a distinguished older gentleman. Named Mr. Delafield. Yes, and they're obviously talking about... And Mike shows up. And Mike shows up, and he claims he has clients... At the same restaurant, but weirdly, mm. when Mr. Delafield invites him to join them, Mike sits down. So what about Mike's clients? No shit. And Mr. Delafield's like, we met a week ago at the Campbell's party. And, and Mike remembers nothing of it. And he is, well, that's because Mr. Delafield spent most of the party talking to Carol. Yes. He's the editor of Tomorrow's Woman. So, of course, having an old white guy, the editor of Tomorrow's Woman. Well, that's about how That's it how go. it is still is. Carol looks nervous. And he tells Mike about the story Carol is writing as if Mike knows, and Carol looks sheepish. Carol looks petrified, actually, as Mr. Delafield goes on, and she's, like, chewing her fingers and everything. And Mike is looking more irritated and kind of... You would think he'd be relieved that his wife isn't planning to leave him or something. For, for some him. old rich guy. Yeah. 
So, in the family room, Marsha, Jan, and Cindy are on the couch talking about the story. And they're like, they were excited about it. Yeah, the, kids are all, the kids are excited, and the boys are upstairs talking about it. And one of them points out, even if it is only a woman's magazine, yeah. Greg says, well, anyway, what other kind of magazine would have a story like that? But a woman's magazine. And then Marsha defends it. But, so, of course, Mike has to control. Yes, he he lets Carol, her own little table with a typewriter and his desk. Yes, because she was doing fine writing on her legal pads and everything by herself. And now Mike has set her at a desk with a typewriter. Cause and he she's hunting packs, which and drives me packs. nuts. And also, as I can tell you from the days when we used to use, before people used word processors or computers, the best way to write something, if you're using a typewriter, something that's long, is to write it longhand and then revise as yes. you type yes. because it's virtually impossible to revise writing no. while you're typing. Yes, I agree. And also, she's not doing very well with it. And I'm like, so what was all that fucking writing Alice and Mike saw on the pads if Carol's having so much trouble now writing the story? Probably because she won't let anyone read all the shit she's throwing out. Which I don't blame her as a writer. I can just say the last thing you want is when you're trying to write something and trying to get your thoughts together and everything, have people read it and give you yeah, feedback any work when you're in still... progress. You don't want feedback. right. You you want to sort it out for yourself. And you notice Alice only dusts when she's snooping yeah. because Carol's there writing and Alice wants to see. So Alice is dusting around Carol <laughs> so she can read it. So they show the scene in the girls' room. So, so they're pretending they're being interviewed, <laughs> yes. possibly on a TV show, yes, and funny. they're all acting like, yes, darling, yes, yeah, darling. All... Well, I'm Marsha, and uh, you know, and I'm the oldest, <laughs> you know. So it, it's kind of cute. It's a cute yeah, it's scene. Funny, cute. And and Cindy's like, and I'm Cindy, or that's what they call me, but my real name's Cynthia. <laughs> so they're all fantasizing about how famous they're going to be when Carol's article is printed in this magazine. Yeah, these poor kids. And so yeah, and Greg is dressing up. Yeah, he's trying to put a necktie on. Because he's got to look good. And Bobby and Peter are berating him. Yes, which is funny. Yes, when Alice is dusting, Carol types the end and the article's done, which is unrealistic. So it's a week later. Well, she brings it to the magazine. Yeah, she brings it to the magazine, and it's a week later, and the doorbell rings. She's fretting. She's in the living room fretting. And it's like, oh, who could it be? Mike's reading the paper. Yeah, Mike doesn't doesn't give a shit. Mike is annoyed that he has to answer the door. Yes, and Carol's like speculating, oh, maybe it's a check for the article. She's afraid to answer, and he's like, I guess I have to get off my ass. And so it's a big manila envelope. And you know immediately what it is. If you're a writer, you do. Well, if you were a writer 20 or 30 or 40 years ago, nowadays it comes an email. But it's her article being sent back to her. With a typical thanks but no thanks. It doesn't meet their needs. Which every writer has heard before. And Carol's sad. I feel and bad for her, though. She's not a writer. She doesn't realize how it works. Yeah, she doesn't. Neither he does Mike. He let her down the garden he path, Mr. Delafield. Well, Mr. Delafield didn't explain the magazine standards. Carol, if this was real life, should have read the articles in the magazine and seen what type of things. Well, she probably did, but they run because they only run good news, and this wasn't good positive news. So, as I said, every writer has gotten a letter like that yeah. or an email these days like that. But every writer does not do what happens next. Well, Mike goes out with Mr. Delafield. He brings him out to lunch. Well, he's, you know, he's the husband. Yes. He's got to watch out for his little woman. It is nice to find out why your story was rejected, specifically. Well, the letter said why the story yeah, was rejected. And, My you God. know, Carol can join the fucking club. Hey, you know. 
I'm just saying. I think saying. this is a little too close. <laughs> yeah, this is hitting a little too close to home. And Mr. Delfield said, well, it's too realistic. We want happy angles. Yeah, we want happy, feel um, good. Mike said, well, can she try again? And he said, go for it. If she wants to, if she wants to resubmit, she's fine. Okay. But you know what? And Carol's fucking pissed. And I don't much. blame her. Be, but but first of all, she should have talked to him herself. If somebody, if somebody was going to talk to Mr. Delafield, yes. you yes. know, yes, it's yes, paternalistic. Well, you know. And Mike tells her that she should rewrite it. If I were her, I'd say, fuck you. She doesn't want to. She doesn't want to rewrite it. She's like, they didn't like yeah, what I wrote. Yeah, but again, another, just like that Gilligan's Island episode, the next, she says she's not going to rewrite it, and the and next thing we do is see her at the typewriter. The thing is, what she has to learn as a writer, well, I'll leave it till the end, because she does learn it. And this time, she uses beta readers. Yeah. She has Explain. Alice. Well, many writers have, once they've written something, oh, have yes. people read it. And she has three of the worst and one of the better beta readers, Alice, Mike, Greg, and Marsha. And the only one who has any constructive feedback was is Marsha. Alice implies that it's boring. Greg says the typing was good. But Marsha steps up and she nails it. Yeah, and she says it's too goody-goody. And, and if this was real life, what Carol should have done was submitted her first article to a better magazine yeah. that would have liked and it. And Mike says... Well, you know what? You gave them what they wanted. This is what he said he wanted, and you gave it to him. So, and Mike says he's going to deliver it himself. Yes, he is. And then we see Carol cleaning the fireplace, and I think, as we know from the past, anytime someone cleans the fireplace in that house, something bad is going to happen. Well, and I thought that was right, um, and I thought that's when that's they were going to show up. They didn't she gets a call from Mr. Delafield, who loves the article, and then in a weirdly, totally unrealistic thing, he wants her to have tea at her house. They're going to publish it in the next month's edition. And he wants her to have tea at their house for his photographer. To meet his staff. And two reviewers who don't aren't on his staff. I know, which is weird. And he's bringing reviewers to review her magazine article, which is hey, weird. You know, but yeah, it turns out that Brady they need... Land. But the thing that bugs me is Alice is doing something I fucking hate when people do when you're on the phone trying to yes. hear and they're like bugging you. Yes. And of what, course... Well, to give Alice the benefit of the doubt... First of all, she's very wants to know what's going on with the yeah, article. Yeah. But if they're going to have fucking tea for a group yeah. of people, Alice is Alice one is the one that has And to so go. Carol's too distracted and gets the time wrong. They're coming over at four at three on Friday, and Carol thinks it's four because they have this thing. Well, should we come at three or four? And she's like, it doesn't matter. Three or four is fine. And then he says, okay, three, okay. And she's like, okay. But they had gone back and forth before. Yes, I can see that happening because it's happened to me. When she gets off the phone, she says to Alice, "It's at four on Friday." Which us as the viewer were like, no. No, it's a three, damn it. And so so the doorbell, we see Carol in rollers and a bathrobe. A shorty little. little, um, And as we know from reading our Brady books that Florence Henderson is a little bit of an exhibitionist. So she's in a shorty little bathrobe. But Carol isn't. And hair rollers. And the doorbell rings, so she answers it, and it's Mr. Delafield and a bunch of people. Oh, it's Mr. Delafield. Danny Engelbert is the photographer. Yeah, Daisy weasel. Lewis is his editorial assistant. And then the two Jim reviewers. Raymond, he's the head of promotion department. Wally Witherspoon, a columnist, and Nora Maynard, a literary columnist. Yeah, and Wally Witherspoon and Nora Maynard don't work for him. The reviewers yes, for other publications are. who are apparently there to meet her so they can review the article. And which, they look very judgy to me. Yes. And the photographer 
Danny Engelbert is taking, taking many pictures of, of Carol and leering at her and, leering and smiling at her. at her and her and she realizes the confusion. And but Carol is is very like uh and she excuses herself a couple times to go upstairs and get but dressed. she doesn't which and, is and annoying. then the girls come in and squabbling and then we have the thing that's happened on several episodes where these normally polite well-behaved kids are totally ignore this group of adult cats yeah. and behave rudely the other thing i want to say too the thing that bugged me is i thought that mr delafield and the other people were very ungracious in that once they realized there had been a mistake, I thought they weren't very... They didn't seem to make the connection between the mistake and what was going on in the house. Well, they also didn't say to her, well, by all means, go up. And she's like, can I go up and get... Right. Yeah. They didn't say, yes, please do. We'll make ourselves a home. Go right. up. I because mean, they were then what happened... Like, right. Because it's a TV show and then... Here what? to kiss our ass. Because you know? they were just foils for the plot. So, yeah, I, what I thought was funny when the girls were fighting and... I think Marsha calls, you call those goons I know, friends. I know. Like, like Jan, Jan is running around with some group of like know, biker chicks or something. Carol introduces the girls, and the girls don't say, oh, I'm pleased to meet you or anything like that. They're just, They're all just and, being bitchy. Right, and Carol sends them up, and the, and the woman reviewer woman says, don't you have... Oh, this is Moppets. No, it's Wally Witherspoon says, and there are four boys as three. well. Or three boys. And Norma seven. says, like, are those those lovable Moppets you yes, describe in the story? And then the boys come in, and Peter has a black eye because Buddy Hinton has punched him again. And then Bobby has ripped pants, and Greg has poison oak. Yeah. But none of those things are Carol's fault. I know. And none of those things negate what was apparently in her goody-goody article. And so the boys are sent upstairs, and Wally and Norma, the are two reviewers, very... I, I, this is nothing like what you described in your article. And you can tell Carol wants to say, yeah, no, no, no fucking, fucking shit. shit. So then Carol asks Alice to go get some sandwiches. Alice is like, fine. And Carol still has not gone upstairs to change. Right. Meanwhile, the photographer keeps... So Alice comes with the sandwiches and realizes she's forgotten mayonnaise. Well, you know, like that time she forgot pickles. So instead of putting the sandwiches down and going back to get it, she turns around with the tray, and here's Mike walking in with two big bouquets of flowers. And they crash. They crash into each other, which apparently is Carol's fault, too. Yeah, apparently. And Nora and Wally say the story is boring and unrealistic, and she should have written about the real family. And if I were Carol, and I'd again, be like, Carol's like, yeah, like I no fucking, fucking did. Shit. Yeah. I would have been fucking pissed. Yes. I would have been, here's my well, fucking real pissed. story. And then they all go into the kitchen. So They Alice, go to find food. And so apparently the other people do too. Because I'm like, where are the other people Everybody, go? they yeah. all go find food yeah. except for Mr. Delafield. Alice is going to placate them with food. And Mr. Delafield tells Carol that she didn't get two stories rejected because he's going to publish yes. the first one. Although ever. it seemed to me that Wally and Nora went into the kitchen and the other ones kind of went into Mike's study. That's oh, did they? Like they never got in there for go, I don't know. I don't know. It was the uh, the woman and the photographer and the other guy, the promotion guy, who mm. didn't say anything. And then Carol says she's going to go smash the typewriter. She's not, well, a, she's not a true writer. She doesn't... And so they're going to publish the first article. And so Carol's learned the lesson that you have to write what you know and write from your heart and don't let 
people manipulate your Especially story. stupid asses like Delafield. That's what I have them for to tell me. Then what the fuck do you do, you fucking yeah, moron? Yeah, you fucking moron. But she's not cut out to be a writer. No. If she's going to go smash yeah. her typewriter. Well, because, you know, she's not a natural thing, writer. Aside from the bizarre, non-realistic thing of all the people coming over, <laughs> the reviewers and everything, this is pretty run-of-the-mill for people who are writers. Yeah. Well, in a way. In a Brady kind of way. And then the tag... Alice, and Carol's even made her dinner as Alice is typing away in the family room. I figure she's writing a tell-all, you know, like one of those nanny diary type things. Well, Carol served Alice something that looks like orange oatmeal with meatballs on I top and sliced tomatoes yeah. Yeah. on the side. Well, that's why they need it. But so we never do find out what Alice is writing because this is the tag. Hmm. And that Alice has been inspired by Carol. But I, I think it's a tell-all that oh. Alice is writing and... She's um, got a lot to tell. And it's funny, the guy who plays Mr. Delafield, the actor's name is Richard Simmons. I had read somewhere this summer when the podcast Finding Richard Simmons came out. I just, I can't even remember where I read it, that somebody mentioned that way back early, maybe it was on that podcast, but I doubt it, that he was on, like, had a bit part on an episode of the Brady Bunch as a journalist. And I think that this is the episode they were referring to, but whoever mentioned that never watched it because it's a different Richard Simmons. Yeah, definitely. You know, Although I do remember when Richard Simmons was on General Hospital. Yes, yes, that was different. But so my fun fact for today, since we had some good Alice stuff, has to do with Alice, or Ann B. Davis, rather. We On this podcast, we haven't really talked a lot about her background or history mm. or acting. I mean, we've talked a lot about Bob Reed. And yes. Stuff. But she had a lot of acting. She had good acting chops and had been most recently Schultzy on the Bob Cummings show. And in the Brady Bunch book by Andrew J. Edelstein and Frank Lovich, it says that Alice... It describes her as a somewhat off-kilter sea of calm in the midst of 400 cast members. But it says, And like many performers, Ann B. Davis constructed a backstory biography for her character in order to help her better play and understand her role. What I decided, and of course it never came out in the series, was that Alice had a twin sister and that they were both orphaned early in their lives and the twin needed to go to college, and so Alice went to work at whatever jobs I could find. She can, and this says in the book, she continues adeptly switching into the first person. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. And then Alice, uh, Amby Davis continues, so that she could afford to go to, co- so the sister could afford to go to college. And the sister went on and did that, which pleased me very much, and I was happy to do it. And I found myself moving very happily into the housekeeper taking care of children role. That's why I was happy with my work why I was single, and why I didn't have a better job. That's interior stuff. I don't think I've ever talked about that before. And I think that's interesting, but I think that's a good actor's way of rationalizing this kind of thankless role yeah. she has. And shes I think she's the best actor on the show. Oh, yeah. And I think the Alice's September Song episode, despite the fact that the ending conclusion was she was being played... Her acting in that yeah, her episode acting was, was, really, was nice. Was really good. Well, mine is about the trophies. Uh, do you know? Oh what, yes, do the you trophies. Know what okay, I'm looking at Bradypedia by Erica Wolk, and she has all the Brady trophies. Do you mm. know what they all are? Well, Can at least the trophies. Okay, there's Peter's Outstanding Citizen Trophy, yes. and then Greg has, I think, his baseball one. 
Well, and why don't you tell me what they are? So Greg has student body president. How could you forget that? These are the ones that Bobby looked the at. The ones that Bobby looked at. Yeah, but yeah and, and what was good is they actually referred to previous episodes instead of having... And some sort of academic or oratorical trophy. But I wrote notes on the trophies, and mine don't match these, so I'm going to tell you. Peter Outstanding Citizen Award plaque and a baseball trophy. So I'm surprised Greg doesn't have a baseball mm. trophy. Marsha Volleyball Trophy. Jan Dance Trophy. And see, I had Jan Ice Skating Trophy. Cindy had her Jacks Trophy, the giant, which I thought was the best trophy. Yeah, I did too. Alice, Westdale High School, 19XX, first place school modern dance contest. Mm-hmm. And other episodes, even previous ones, there's a second baseball trophy and a football trophy on the boys' desk. This is from Erica Woke. Marsha also has more awards on her dresser in later episodes, including her own Outstanding Citizen Award, mm. which is coming out. Mm. So that's exciting. Yes, that is. And what's your favorite quote from these? Oh, the one I told you about when Sam says that he sees Alice's yeah, so face in every bowling ball and her figure in every bowling pin. I thought that was very sweet. Mine is from the Liberation of Marshall Brady Ooh. episode. And it's when Jan says, from now on we'll be treated just the same as boys. Yeah, yeah Jan. Because it was so, yeah, disheartening. Tell that to Hillary. Yep. And so I'm excited about our next episode because we're getting into season three, which means Grand Canyon. Yes. So we start out, yeah, with the first Brady's on the road for two episodes, right? Three. Oh, wow. So uh, season three, episode one, Ghost Town, USA. Oh, yeah. Episode two, Grand Canyon or Buff. Yeah. Episode 3, The Brady Braves. Mm-hmm, I'm looking forward to that one. Episode 4, they're back from the Grand Canyon, The Wheeler Dealer. Episode 5, My Sister, Benedict Arnold. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. Good poor Benedict Arnold takes a beating. Oh. And episode 6, The Personality Kid. Yes! It's a Peter one, and it's one of my all-time yes. favorites. Absolute favorites. Yes. And catchphrase alert. Yes, catchphrase So that's next week. And if you want to check out our Facebook page, Becky puts up little slideshows. Of screenshots. We take screenshots with the captions on so you can see. And it's GroovyTube. GroovyTube Podcast is our Facebook page. We tweet at GroovyTube Pod and we put up some screenshots there. And we have a website. Yes, our website is GroovyTube Podcast. And our Gmail account, if you want Which is groovytruepodcast at Gmail. And by the way, speaking of email, if you want to email us. In fact, we did, I want to read, we got some fan mail from John Whitson of Ohio. And he donated, he's a Patreon patron, and you can go on our, the website. thank you very much, anyone that has helped us. And anyone that listens, thank you too. You can donate through our Crime and Stuff Online website, which is our website for our other podcasts, but that's where you donate. And um, we're not sure if John is a fan of Crime and Stuff as well, but he did donate, and he sent us an email that I'd like to share with you. John says, when you ladies were promoting the start of this podcast, 
You said each episode would be about 30 minutes long. And I can't believe we thought that, but we did think. You thought that. I didn't think Okay, so. anyway. Episode six clocks in at just less than two hours. Whoa. And then it, but then he says, thank you for extending it. I thoroughly enjoy the topic and your sisterly banter. Yeah. Please keep them coming. My only request is that you reconsider covering Gilligan's Island in the future. Because yeah. we had had some discussion about whether we would we do a season. We had said it at the Gilligan's beginning, Island. and then somebody nixed it. But I still. It was it. you who did. I didn't nix it. You said, oh, if we do everything. I gonna... said it was a text conversation we had, and I said, why don't we do Gilligan's Island? And you didn't want to. I didn't say I didn't want anyway, to. Anyway, well, I may have watched no other show as frequently as a child. Viewing it now reveals it to be inane beyond any low expectations anyone may bring to the task. And believe me, I am a dedicated lover of 1970s TV. Thanks again for making my highway travel enjoyable. Oh, thank you. So thanks, John, and thanks for the donation. We appreciate it. Yes. And John, for donating, is going to get some of our swag. He gets a crime and stuff tote bag and some of our... Some other stuff. You you can find out if, if you guys donate. And, you can find out. <laughs> but in any case, so that's today's episode, and we'll talk to you guys again next week. And stay groovy. And a special thanks to Ben Sound for our groovy music.